the region had three devastating earthquakes, the first major one on October 7th. When I visited a few days after the earthquake, I mean, it was a scene of, of utter destruction and disaster. There were thousands of people who were completely displaced, their homes uh, destroyed. In fact, our estimate in the UN is that 21,500 homes were either totally or severely destroyed. So what I was looking at for the most part were people living in tents, a high number of them because they were afraid to go back into whatever was left of their homes for fear of another aftershock or earthquake, but the vast majority simply because there's nothing to go back to. And we're talking about women and children, especially living in, inside these tents. A lot of the tents were still makeshift. So while some had gotten support from IOM and UNHCR and other agencies, many were still using rugs and carpets to create makeshift tents. And in the region, we had sandstorms and strong winds. So they were really grappling with the elements. We're talking about a large number of people having died, over 1,500 confirmed, thousands injured, and just really so many thousands of people still living in tents. So can you describe the region, how it was before these earthquakes? It's interesting you should ask because Herat was the first um, province I visited uh, when I came to Afghanistan a few months ago. I started back in June as a rep here. And it's one of the more beautiful regions. It's in the Western region and it's seen as sort of the cultural capital of Afghanistan, the, the place of the historical poets and, and writers. So it's a beautiful part of the, the country. Now, in those particular villages, certainly people were poor and the majority of them lived in mud houses and, you know, didn't have adequate access to many things, to, to water, to energy and so on. But the scene that is out there now is as completely different from anything you can imagine. In one village, 100% of the houses were completely destroyed, flattened. Another village, 90% completely flattened. So if you had gone there a few weeks before or a few months before, you would have seen standing structures, schools and health centers and homes and so on. What we're looking at now is some villages completely decimated, while others, people are just really trying to uh, put their lives back together after those three deadly, deadly earthquakes. It's a completely different landscape. It's a landscape of devastation that you're looking at. And if we speak about the local communities and their livelihood, how has that been affected? Well, the vast majority of those communities are agrarians. They are they're farmers. They live from the field. And by the way, one of the interesting things, and it's worth mentioning because 90% of those who died in the earthquake were women and children. And the reason for that, apart from the fact that the structures were poor, is the men were out in the field doing the farming and some were across the border in Iran working as well, while the women were left at home with the children. And that's part of the social norms and culture in, in many parts of Afghanistan. So when the first major earthquake struck, it struck the women who were confined to the home uh, because of the kinds of restrictions that are placed on them. So it's, it's an agrarian economy. And the vast majority of these folks had their farms and had um, livestock as well and poultry. And so many of these livestock either died or people didn't have water afterwards to provide for the livestock. They didn't have feed and so on. So you saw dead carcasses all over the, the, the region. And that was part of the fear that maybe some of those dead carcasses could lead to other disease outbreaks, especially if it were to get into the water supply system out there. 
So now, um, what immediate relief efforts and assistance are UNDP, other UN agencies providing? Well, the, the UN was fairly quick um, to respond, and we were out there with the other international development agencies and NGOs, the Islamic Relief, the BRAC, the Danish Relief um, Committee, and, and many others, Swedish Committee. Now, the first thing that was needed and which we were able to provide as a UN were tents, uh, because again, people had nowhere to sleep. And by the way, winter is coming, and winter in Afghanistan is rather cold, rather severe in those regions. And so people needed some place to sleep. So providing them with tarpaulins and, um, and tents, plus water. Water was the second major thing that everyone said to us they needed water. And agencies like UNICEF were out there providing water. And then, of course, medical care for those who were injured. Again, WHO, UNFPA and other agencies were there providing some of that support. For us in, in UNDP, one of the things that we were doing, again, we're not a humanitarian relief agency, but we did want to simply sit back. We had supported a large number of women in that region to create what we call community kitchens, run as profit centers, uh, as profitable operations for women to have an income and for women to network and bond. But we were able to deploy these kitchens to the affected area and the women were able to provide a cooked warm meal um, to more than 6,000 of these persons who are now living in 10, two to three warm meals per day. So that was part of our initial response in UNDP. And of course, the second part of it was we were asked to look at those areas where places like schools and health centers were not totally destroyed, could be rehabilitated or repaired so that you could have some return to normalcy. So we're assessing and repairing uh, those facilities uh, that were not too severely destroyed so that there can be some return to normalcy in those areas and people can also have a safe space. So that, that was just part of our initial response. And what role do you see UNDP playing in the long-term recovery? Well, this is where UNDP normally plays the major role. And we've started with what we call the post-disaster needs assessment. And by the way, I'm so happy to see the, the readiness of the World Bank, the Asian Development Bank and the European Union to join UNDP in spearheading the, the assessment, the post-disaster needs assessment. So that has now been commissioned and we have international post-disaster advisors from UNDP guiding the process. So we're bringing the entire UN system together and other international agencies and NGOs to do a thorough assessment, not just of the financial impact of the disaster, but the human impact as well, the impact on children, the impact on women, and so forth. And that will give us the information we need to formulate the reconstruction and recovery plan and strategy for the region. So that's one of the major things that we're currently doing. The second thing is we play a, a lead role on infrastructure rebuilding and, and redevelopment. And our teams, we have redeployed engineers from other locations. We have eight regional offices in Afghanistan. One office, by the way, is in Herat, and we do have engineers and, and others there, but we have redeployed personnel from other regions, and we have renegotiated agreements with some of our uh, international NGO partners to refocus our program to support that particular region. So activities we may have been doing in other provinces, we have suspended and repurposed 
to support the recovery effort in Herat. The major focus for us right now is uh, transitional and permanent shelter. And we did a lot of that after the last major earthquakes here in Afghanistan last year in two provinces, um, Cost and Paktika. And we have the designs and the trained people, and we're bringing them to the region to help rebuild homes for thousands of people. So that's one of the major things that we're currently uh, working on with our partners on the ground in Herat. And the second thing is livelihoods. Uh, helping people to regain income. And we're using cash for work in all the rebuilding that we're doing, including removal of debris and salvaging of waste material and debris material that can be used in the reconstruction effort. We're using cash for work so that people can have an income while we're doing the rebuilding effort. So those are our two of our initial priority focus, the debris removal and salvaging and the transitional and permanent shelter solutions for communities. And we expect to play a role on, on other infrastructure development in the months to come as well. Before we conclude, would you like to add anything from your side? Well, two things. One, as I mentioned, there is this issue of how women are restricted in the society. And we've been dealing with that since the de facto authorities took over uh, in August 2021. But the severe restrictions that have been placed on women, we have seen part of the consequence of, of that in this tragic incident where, again, women were simply confined to the home. And so that's one thing that the international community and all of us have to consistently um, lobby and advocate for a change in those um, severe restrictions, but also in the social norms and attitudes that can lead to these kinds of devastation. The second thing is Afghanistan is competing in the news with Israel, Gaza, with Ukraine, with South Sudan, with the coup d'etats in, in Western Africa. The country does need assistance. This disaster comes on top of many disasters. Afghanistan has been through four decades of conflict. The country now has a very high number of people living below the poverty line. 15 million people out of the 40 million population are food insecure. There's a major humanitarian crisis here. And now we have a disaster of that magnitude. It's an appeal for the international community not to lose sight of Afghanistan and the need of the people here, and particularly the people in Herat who have just suffered this devastation.